ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله اما بعد so continuing with this book kitab at-tawhid which explains the fundamentals of the religion with regards to our worship to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and how we must single out all of our worship to Allah alone. We're now on this chapter in this book, which is entitled, Bab Al-Khawfu Min Al-Shirk. The chapter regarding fearing shirk. Fearing shirk. And this particular chapter... The reason why it is important, as a Sheikh Al-Fawzan mentions, a part of that being, that a person who does not know what something evil is, then there is a potential, a possibility that they may fall into it. مَنْ لَا يَعْرِفُ الشَّيْئَ If somebody doesn't know something, then it's possible they may end up falling into it. They may be very close to falling into that thing. And that's why it is of importance that a person knows what shirk is, a person understands what shirk is, in order to be able to protect himself from that shirk. Uh, Sheikh Al-Fawzan, he mentions here, uh, كَذَلِكَ وَأَخْطَرُ مِنْ ذَلِكَ مَنْ لَا يَعْرِفُ الشِّرْكَ وَمَدَاخِلَهُ وَأَنْوَاعَهُ وَأَخْطَارَهُ فَإِنَّهُ حَرِيٌّ أَنْ يَقَعَ فِيهِ الشِّرْكِ مِنْ حَيْثُ لَا يَدْرِي لِأَنَّ الْجَهْلِ دَاءٌ قَاتِلٌ So the Sheikh says that a person who doesn't know what shirk is, then he is the most likely who will end up falling into it. Because he does not know what types of shirk there are, what are the ways a person falls into shirk, what are the different types of things that are considered a shirk. So because he doesn't know any of that, he may well end up doing something, falling into some action that is an action of shirk. فَلَا يَعْرِفُ قِيمَةَ الصِّحَّةِ إِلَّا مَنْ ذَاقَ الْمَرَضِ So nobody really knows the true value of good health, except somebody who has experienced illness. وَلَا يَعْرِفُ قِيمَةَ النُّورِ إِلَّا مَنْ وَقَعَ فِي الظَّلَامِ And nobody really knows the value of light, except for the one who has fallen into darkness previously. وَلَا يَعْرِفُ قِيمَةَ الْمَاءِ إِلَّا مَنْ عَطَشْ And nobody knows the value of water, except for the one who has experienced thirst. وَهَكَذَا وَلَا يَعْرِفُ and nobody knows the value of food except for the one who has experienced hunger. And nobody knows the value of safety and security except for the one who has fallen into fear. إِذَنْ لَا يَعْرِفُ قِيمَةَ التَّوْحِيدِ وَفَضْلَ التَّوْحِيدِ وَتَحْقِيقَ التَّوْحِيدِ إِلَّا مَنْ عَرَفَ الشِّرْكَ وَأُمُورَ الْجَاهِلِيَّةِ حَتَّى يَتَجَنَّبَهَا Therefore, 
a person will not truly know the value of Tawheed until they recognize and understand what the affairs of shirk are. Because when they understand and they recognize the affairs of shirk and how evil those activities of shirk are, what the mushrikeen used to engage in, then a person will realize how valuable Tawheed is. Knowing how much of a disgrace and how much pitiful actions and incorrect actions the people used to fall into those mushrikeen, a person then realizes the value of Tawheed, realizes the importance and the greatness of Tawheed. So then a person will guard over that Tawheed, فَيُحَافِظُ عَلَى التَّوْحِيدِ وَمِنْ هُنَا يَظْهَرُ خَطَى هَؤُلَاءِ الَّذِينَ يَقُولُونَ لَا دَاعِيَ أَن نَتَعَلَّمَ الْعَقَائِدِ الْبَاطِلَةِ وَنَعْرِفُ الْمَذَاهِبِ الْبَاطِلَةِ وَنَرُدُّ عَلَى الْمُعْتَزِلَ وَالْجَهْمِيَّةِ لِأَنَّهُمْ بَادُوا وَذَهَبُوا عَلِّمُ النَّاسَ التَّوْحِيدِ وَيَكْفِي This is a mistake when people say we have no need to know what the errors of the other people are. When they say, we don't need to know what the falsehood and the misguidance of these other people is, we don't need to look into that. That's a mistake. Because only through knowing that falsehood and that misguidance will you be able to protect yourself from falling into it. If you don't know what misguidance is, then you will end up doing it thinking it's okay. So it is important to know what the falsehood is in order to protect yourself from it. So it is important to know what shirk is and the different types of shirk are in order to protect yourself from falling into that, uh, those types of shirk and those categories of shirk. Then the shaykh says, وَلِهَذَا قَالَ الشَّيْخِ يعني المؤلف باب الخوف من الشرك the chapter regarding fear of shirk. أي أن الموحد يجب أن يخاف من الشرك. That it is obligatory upon a person of Tawheed to fear shirk. It's upon you to be fearful of shirk. لا يقول أنا موحد وأنا عرفت التوحيد. He should not say that I am a person of Tawheed, I know what Tawheed is, I'm safe. And there is no danger of shirk ever coming to me. A person should never behave in this way. A person of Tawheed should not say that I am a person of Tawheed, I know what Tawheed is, I know what these things are, so I'm never going to fall into shirk. A person should never behave in that way. This is from the deception of the shaitan upon that person. That he thinks I've learned Tawheed, so I'm okay, I'm not going to ever fall into any error, I'm never going to fall into any shirk. You shouldn't think in that way. Nobody should give themselves this type of praise. And there's nobody who does not fear from fitna as long as he is alive. Everybody should be fearful of fitna and trials and tribulations and shirk as long as they are alive. At any time during your life some fitna may occur to you. 
some trial may occur to you regarding these affairs. So as long as you are alive, you're not secure and safe in yourself to think that I'm safe and secure. Rather, you always make dua to Allah to keep you firm and you have the fear of the shirk. فَالْإِنسَانِ مُعَرَّضٌ لِلْفِتْنَةِ A person, he may well be presented to fitna. ظَلَّ عُلَمَاءُ أَحْبَارِ Great scholars have become misguided in the past. وَزَلَّتْ أَقَدَامُهُمْ And they slipped up in certain affairs. وَخُتِمَ لَهُمْ بِالسُوءِ And some of them ended up dying upon the evil state of affairs. وَهُمْ عُلَمَاءُ And they were knowledgeable, great knowledgeable people. It's happened in the past. فَالْخَطَرُ شَدِيدٌ So the danger is severe. وَلَا يَأْمَنُ الْإِنسَانُ عَلَى نَفْسِهِ أَن تَنْزَلِقَ قَدَمُهُ فِي الضَّلَالِ And a person should never feel safe and secure that I'm certainly safe. I'm never going to be misguided. I'm never going to do any shirk. A person never feels safe and secure. Always you have to be learning, always making dua to Allah to keep you strong. Always learning what the different things of Tawheed and Shirk are to protect yourself from ever falling into it. فَلَا يَأْمَنُ الْإِنسَانُ عَلَى نَفْسِهِ أَن تَنْزَلِقَ قَدَمُهُ فِي الضَّلَالُ وَأَنْ يَقَعَ فِي الشِّرْكِ إِلَّا إِذَا تَعَلَّمَ هَذِهِ الْأُمُورِ مِنْ أَجْلِ أَنْ يَتَجَنَّبَهَا So a person should not fear, should not think that he is safe, rather he should fear the shirk, and he should continue to learn and educate himself properly about Tawheed and shirk, in order that he can protect himself from that shirk. Um, إِلَّا إِذَا تَعَلَّمَ هَذِهِ الْأُمُورِ مِنْ أَجْلِ أَنْ يَجْتَنِبَهَا وَاسْتَعَانَ بِاللَّهِ وَطَلَبَ مِنْهُ الْعِسْمَ وَالْهِدَايَةِ رَبَّنَا لَا تُزِغْ قُلُوبَنَا بَعْدَ إِذْ هَدَيْتَنَا خَافُوا مِنَ الزَّيْغِ بَعْدَ الْهِدَايَةِ وَالْمُهْتَدِي يَكُونُ أَشَدُّ خَوْفًا أَنْ يَزِيغْ وَأَنْ تَزَلَّ قَدَمُهُ وَأَنْ تَسُوءَ خَاتِمَتُهُ وَأَنْ يَكُونَ مِنْ أَهْلِ النَّارِ نَسْأَلُ اللَّهُ الْعَافِيَةِ So a person uh, he should always seek aid and assistance in Allah, ask Allah to protect him and keep him firm and not to allow him to become misguided after the guidance came to him. As it's mentioned in the Quran, رَبَّنَا لَا تُزِغْ قُلُوبَنَا بَعْدَ إِذْ هَدَيْتَنَا That our Allah do not uh, misguide our hearts after you have guided us. After you have guided us, then do not allow us to be misguided. So the first ayah that the author mentions in this chapter, the statement of Allah, إِنَّ اللَّهَ لَا يَغْفِرُ أَنْ يُشْرَكَ بِهِ وَيَغْفِرُ مَا دُونَ ذَلِكَ لِمَنْ يَشَاءُ That Allah does not forgive that you commit shirk, but He forgives all other affairs lesser than that. Allah does not forgive that you commit shirk, but He forgives all other affairs lesser than that. This ayah, it is an ayah that begins with inna. Inna Allah la yaghfiru. This in Arabic indicates emphasis. That indeed, certainly, definitely, Allah does not forgive if you commit shirk. Meaning, if you die having committed shirk and not made repentance. If you do shirk and then you die and you never asked for forgiveness and you never repented, then that will not be forgiven. What if somebody commits shirk 
but they repent whilst they are still alive. Can that be forgiven or not? That can be forgiven. Here we're talking about a situation where somebody commits shirk and then they die and they haven't made any repentance. So then for that person they cannot be forgiven. This indicates to you now from this ayah in the Quran how dangerous and how severe shirk is. That Allah says if you die upon that shirk, the meaning of which is that if you die upon shirk, not having made repentance, then you will not be forgiven for that. That is one sin that Allah does not forgive at all. If you die upon that, upon the shirk, then you will certainly be punished for that. And if it is of the shirk that exits you from Islam, then you will be in the hellfire forever. فَهَذَا فِيهِ خُطُورَةُ الشِّرْكِ فَاللَّهُ لَا يَغْفِرُ لِلْمُشْرِكِ مَعَا أَنَّ رَحْمَتَهُ وَسِعَتْ كُلَّ شَيْءٍ Allah does not forgive the mushrik, the one who dies upon shirk, even though we know that the mercy of Allah encompasses everything. The mercy of Allah is great. The mercy of Allah is magnificent. Yet despite that, the one who dies upon shirk, then Allah does not forgive him. لَكِنْ الْمُشْرِكْ لَا يَدْخُلُ فِيهَا The one who dies upon shirk, then he does not enter into the mercy of Allah. وَهَذَا يَدُلُّ عَلَى خُطُورَةِ الشِّرْكِ And this therefore tells you, shows you the severity, the danger of shirk. فَإِذَا كَانَ الشِّرْكُ بِهَذِهِ الْخُطُورَةِ فَإِنَّهُ يَجِبُ الْحَذَرِ مِنْهُ غَايَةَ الْحَذَرِ So if shirk is this dangerous, it is this severe, that Allah says if you die upon it, you will not be forgiven for it. If that's how severe it is, then no doubt, we need to take extra precaution from it. We need to take complete caution and precaution from it. Every type of sin that you do, it's possible you could still be forgiven for it. Every type of sin that you do, it's possible you could be forgiven for it. Except the sin of shirk. If you do the sin of shirk and die, then you will not be forgiven for that. But any other sin, even if you steal and you commit adultery and you drink alcohol, all of these other types of sins, if you do them and don't make repentance and die, you could still be forgiven for them. But the sin of shirk, it cannot be forgiven. وَفِي الْآيَةِ الأخرى أخبر سبحانه أنه حرم الجنة على المشرك. In another ayah, Allah subhanahu wa taala mentioned that He has made forbidden upon the mushrik paradise. That paradise is forbidden for the mushrikin to enter, and that is the statement of Allah: إنه من يشرك بالله فقد حرم الله عليه الجنة. وَمَأْوَاهُ النَّارِ وَمَا لِلظَّالِمِينَ مِنْ أَنصَارِ That indeed, the one who commits shirk with Allah, then Allah has made haram paradise for that person. His end result, his residence will be the hellfire. And the wrongdoers, the mushrikeen, they have no one to help them. وَالْحَرَامِ يَعْنِي الْمَمْنُوعِ فَلَا يُمْكِنْ أَنَّ الْمُشْرِكَ يَذُوقُ طَعْمَ الْجَنَّةِ أو يشم رائحة الجنة. So it is not possible that a mushrik 
a person who dies upon shirk will ever taste, will ever taste the taste of paradise, or ever smell from the smells of paradise, the fragrances of paradise. Also, there is another ayah in the Quran, إِنَّمَا الْمُشْرِكُونَ نَجَسْ فَلَا يَقْرَبُ الْمَسْجِدَ الْحَرَامِ بَعْدَ عَامِهِمْ هَذَا That indeed the mushrikeen, the people who commit shirk, they are najis. They are impure. So they should not, let them not come anywhere near al-masjid al-haram. Do not let them come near al-masjid al-haram. So they were forbidden from entering into al-masjid al-haram due to the impurity. And what was this impurity that they were upon? What is the impurity of the mushrikeen? Shirk. وَنَجَاسَةُ الشِّرْكِ نَجَاسَ مَعْنَوِيَّةِ وَالْمَسْجِدُ الْحَرَامِ لَا يَدْخُلُهُ إِلَّا أَهْلَ التَّوْحِيدِ So their impurity, it is an impurity due to their shirk. The shirk within their hearts is an impurity upon them. Even if they are clean otherwise. Maybe they clean their bodies properly. غُسَل Everything full, they are clean. But inside their bodies they are upon impurity. Due to that shirk which is within them. Then after that, after explaining this first ayah, that indeed Allah does not forgive that a person dies upon shirk and he will certainly be punished, we understand from that, that if a person commits shirk, and then he dies not having repented from it, then what is his end result? In the hellfire forever. Forever in the hellfire. And what if a person commits shirk, but he repents before he dies? Then, he's forgiven. That Allah will forgive then if a person sincerely repents from that shirk. For example, somebody was a Buddhist or some other mushrik and he repents and he becomes Muslim. Alhamdulillah. And what if a person commits sins like stealing and alcohol and all these types of major sins? And dies without repenting. Then what's the end result? Allah's mercy. Allah's mercy, so meaning what? He'll be forgiven? Maybe forgiven. So what do you mean? He might not be forgiven? So what does that mean? If he's not forgiven, he'll be in hellfire forever? So if a person commits sins which are not shirk, stealing alcohol, other types of sins, major sins, and he doesn't repent, he dies without repenting. Then it's possible, it's possible. Still, maybe, some of the scholars they say, he might still just get forgiven and go to paradise. But other scholars they say, that he may be punished first in the hellfire. For those sins of stealing and alcohol and different sins. He'll be punished in the hellfire first for a, a certain amount of time. When he has been punished for a certain amount of time, and he's been purified from those sins, then he'll be taken out and put into the paradise. But definitely we know that if he commits major sins but not shirk, even if he is punished first, we know for definite in the end, in the end he will be taken out and go to paradise. A person will not stay in the hellfire forever for sins only. Rather it is the sin of shirk. Other than that, then a person can be forgiven or he'll be punished and then removed afterwards into the paradise. The next ayah 
is regarding Ibrahim alayhi salam again. When Allah said regarding Ibrahim alayhi salam, وَجَنُبْنِي وَبَنِيَّ الْأَصْنَامِ this is a dua that Ibrahim alayhi salam made. Before we explain what this dua means, you have to understand the position and the status and the rank of Ibrahim alayhi salam. We've already mentioned previously, Ibrahim alayhi salam was the second best messenger after the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu from all of the other prophets and messengers. The second best after the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Ibrahim Alayhi Salam next. So he was a very, very high messenger. Very high ranking. Khalilullah, the most beloved of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. From the most senior, biggest of all of the Prophets and Messengers, Ibrahim Alayhi Salam. Second after the Prophet Sallallahu Nobody else better than Ibrahim Alayhi Salam. Yet here Ibrahim alayhi salam makes the dua وَجُنُبَنِي وَبَنِيَّ أَنْ نَعْبُدَ الْأَصْنَامِ That Allah protect me and my offspring, protect me and my descendants from ever worshipping the idols. You may think why would Ibrahim alayhi salam make that dua? Ibrahim alayhi salam, does he fear that he might end up worshipping idols? Ibrahim salam, despite all of his rank and his status, second best messenger, the beloved of Allah, still he is asking Allah to keep him firm, to protect him from ever falling into the worship of idols. Because as the ayat, they continue to say in that context, that indeed the idols have misguided many people. The idols, they have misguided many people. So Ibrahim salam asks Allah to protect him. Al-Khalil, Ibrahim alayhi salam was the Khalil, meaning he was the most beloved of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So he says, وَجْنُبْنِي أَيْ أَبْعِدْنِي وَجْعَلْنِي فِي جَانِبٍ بَعِيدٍ Meaning, distance me and take me away from falling into the worship of idols. أَنَّعْبُدَ الْأَصْنَامِ خَافَ مِنْ عِبَادَتِهَا Ibrahim alayhi salam was fearful of worshipping or falling into the worship of the idols. مع هذه المنزلة العظيمة التي نالها إبراهيم عليه السلام من ربه ومع أنه قاوم الشرك وكسر الأصنام بيده وتعرض لأشد الأذى في سبيل ذلك حتى ألقي في النار مع ذلك خاف على نفسه من الوقوع في الشرك لأن القلوب بين أسبعين من أصابع الرحمن والحي لا تؤمن عليه الفتنة Ibrahim salam, despite his great rank and status that he achieved from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the fact that he opposed and destroyed the idols and the shirk and that he presented himself to great danger from his people when he opposed them against their shirk he was even thrown into the fire he still feared upon himself the worship of idols or ever falling into that and that's why it is mentioned in the narration that the hearts of the people, the hearts of the servants are between two fingers of Allah. That the heart of a person can alternate and change. And that's why the Salaf, they used to say that as long as you're alive, then you cannot secure and guarantee that fitna will not come to you. As long as you're alive, then the possibility of fitna can occur. And the Salaf, they used to say, مَنْ يَأْمَنُ الْبَلَاءِ بَعْدَ Ibrahim.'" 
who is there who thinks that they are safe and secure from fitna ever coming to them after Ibrahim a.s. Ibrahim a.s. was making dua, keep me firm. Who is there better than Ibrahim a.s. who thinks that you're safe and secure if Ibrahim a.s. was still making the dua for safety and security and establishment? Nobody. Nobody is better than Ibrahim a.s. in that from us. So if Ibrahim a.s. with all of his rank and status was still asking Allah to keep himself firm, Upon the obedience of Allah, upon the tawheed, and to be distanced and away from shirk, then we are all more deserving of asking Allah for that. More than Ibrahim alayhi salam, we are in greater danger. For Ibrahim mukhafa ala nafsihi al-wuqu' fi shirk, lima ra'a, lamma ra'a kathrata wuqu'ihi fi nas wa qala anil asnam, rabbi inna hunna adlalna kathiran min nas so Ibrahim salam when he saw how many people were being influenced by the shirk and falling into it, how many people were led astray by the idols, then he sought from Allah this dua to keep him firm and to be distanced from any form of shirk. وَفِي هَذَا أَبْلَغُ الرَّدْ عَلَى هَؤُلَاءِ الَّذِينَ يَقُولُونَ لا خوف على المسلمين من الوقوع في الشرك بعدما تعلموا وتثقفوا. This is a great refutation upon those philosophers and those intellectuals and academics who say there is no fear upon the Muslims. What are you talking about shirk and bowing to idols? The Muslims are never going to fall into shirk after they have learned and they have educated themselves. And this statement of theirs is clearly false. Uh, لِأَنَّ الشِّرْكَ بِعِبَادَةِ الْأَصْنَامِ شِرْكُ سَاذِجْ يَتَرَفَّعُ عَنْهُ الْمُثَقَّفُ وَالْفَاهِمُ They say the shirk of bowing down to idols and statues, that's the type of shirk somebody stupid or dumb would fall into. As for people who are clever and educated, and people who have general knowledge and they are uh, cultured, then these types of people, they say, as if you're ever going to fall into shirk and bow down to idols, that's just naive people, stupid people. وَإِنَّمَا الْخَوْفُ عَلَى النَّاسِ مِنَ الشِّرْكِ فِي الْحَاكِمِيَّةِ يَرَكِّزُونَ عَلَى هَذَا النَّوْعِ خَاصَّةِ وَأَمَّا الشِّرْكِ فِي الْأُلُوهِيَّةِ وَالْعِبَادَةِ فَلَا يَهْتَمُّونَ بِإِنْكَارِهِ وَعَلَى هَذَا يَكُونُ الْخَلِيلُ عَلَيْهِ السَّلَامُ وَغَيْرُهُ مِنَ الرُّسُلِ they say that the focus has to be on the shirk of al-hakimiyyah. Ruling by what Allah has revealed. And those who rule by other than what Allah has revealed. All of this what you hear from the takfiris and their likes. These people who talk about the rulership and the rulers and the rulers are so bad. All of the kings are so bad. Saudi Arabia the rulers are so bad. That's what they talk about day and night. Anything happens in the world. Anything happens in the world to the Muslims. It has to be Saudi Arabia's fault. Has to be the king of Saudi Arabia. Why hasn't he done anything? MashaAllah, as if everything in the world, all the problems of the Muslims are his fault. They are the fault of the, the Saudi government. This is the foolishness of the people that you hear from them. Anything happens anywhere now with Palestine, with the other places. They say, why isn't Saudi Arabia doing anything? Why isn't Saudi Arabia doing anything? As if Saudi Arabia are the ones to blame for the problems of the Muslims in the world. Saudi Arabia... In fact, it is even a lie to say they don't do anything. The amount of money that they have given in funds and in charity to help 
the Palestinian people and the other people in Sham and places, it is in millions and millions of pounds. Not just hundreds of thousands or a million or two million. Millions of pounds they give towards the charitable work which goes on for the people in these places. And on top of that, it is from the way of the khawarij, from the way of these takfiris that they give you these arguments. They say, why isn't Saudi doing anything? When these issues occur across the world, in Palestine, in different places, in Syria, then it's not this way that you're supposed to think about it. This political way. This is just politics. Saudi Arabia, why aren't they doing anything? They should do things. The Jordan, Jordanian king, why isn't he doing anything? He should be doing things. This is a very political way to think about things. Politics and economics. They've been listening too, many, too much to the news and the radio. Their mind is just political. The scholars, they say, you should look at the situation of the world Islamically, not politically, not about economics and politics and the news. That's one thing. If you look at the problems of the Muslims across the world, you should look at it from the Islamic point of view, not the political point of view. What is the Islamic point of view of the problems of the Muslims across the world? It's very easy. Allah has mentioned in the Quran that the corruption which occurs, the corruption which occurs, the, the weakness which occurs to the Muslims, it occurs as a consequence of what they earn for their, with their own two hands. Meaning due to the Muslims having abandoned their religion, the Muslims not having the right aqidah, not having the right tawheed, going around graves doing tawaf, bowing down to the peer and all these types of things. When they do all of these things, the Muslims all across the world, then what do you expect? Do you expect that the Muslims are going to be powerful and strong and control everything? And they're going to be able to defeat all the kuffar? How do you expect the Muslims are going to do that? If millions of Muslims across the world, they are still going around to graves and they believe this aqidah of going to the awliya who are dead in their graves. They have all this type of aqidah. So how do you expect that they're going to have victory and strength? How? Victory and strength will come when the Muslims, they cling on to their religion properly. Just like the Sahaba did. The Sahaba, the Salaf, why is it that they were so strong and they conquered all of the lands and Islam spread? Of course, by the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, by the permission of Allah, it was their clinging on to the Qur'an and the Sunnah. The Sahaba, the Salaf, they stuck to the Qur'an and the Sunnah. They had the correct aqidah. They stayed away from shirk. There was no grave worship. There was no tawaf around these places. There was no going to the awliya and the peer and the YP and all these things. There was no magic being used and all of these sorcerers and jinn. They were not involved in those affairs. They were involved in tawheed and aqidah and sticking to it. That's why they were strong. And that's why Islam spread. And they went across the different places by the permission of Allah. Now the people, are they like that? Now the people, are they like the sahaba? In terms of their aqidah, in terms of their tawheed, in terms of their practicing the sunnah. Half of them across the world, they don't even pray five times a day. They don't even pray five times a day, but they want you to go and do a demonstration in London for Palestine. People are going to go to the demonstration running around in the streets, demonstrating with uh, uh, banners and with uh, uh, placards and all of these flags in support of Palestine. And those same people, they don't even pray five times a day yet. How do they expect victory will come? How do they expect victory will come to the Muslims when they abandon the religion? And instead, they substitute all of this foolishness instead. 
They don't even pray five times a day, but they have to go to the demonstration and support Palestine. How are you supporting Palestine and the Muslims when you yourself aren't even doing the five prayers every day? They go around committing all types of other sins. They have off-licenses selling alcohol. But then when it comes to the demonstration, yeah, we have to go to the demonstration and support Palestine. Look at your shop, you're selling off-license alcohol in it. A person needs to look at his own state of affairs. Don't be influenced by these ikhwanis, influenced by all these people out there, demonstrations on Palestine, and we have to help them, we have to go to the embassy, we have to go do a, a, a boycott, all of uh, Marks and Spencers and Morrisons and all these, Asdan, Tesco, whatever they say, boycott everything. That will bring success to Palestine. How will that bring success to Palestine? You're going to boycott Tesco, you're not going to give them your 50 pounds for the shopping, but you're not even praying five times a day though. You're not even praying five times a day, but you're going to boycott Tesco, mashaAllah. Why don't you boycott your sinning first? Boycott your sinning first. Pray five times a day, learn the correct aqidah, practice the sunnah. You have boycotted the sunnah first. Before they boycott Tesco, they have boycotted the sunnah. Why don't you stop boycotting the sunnah first? Then you can think about other things. But now these people out there, all these text messages, boycott this place, boycott that place. The same people, they're not even praying five times a day. The same people, they go out with the girls and the boys and do all types of things. These are the types of people sending these messages. These are the types of things that you see. This isn't victory for Islam. How are you going to get victory like that? So don't be emotional. Don't be emotional when these ikhwanis and people come to you. They say, but of course, akhi, you have to go do the demonstration. Show your support. How are you going to show your support and victory for Palestine, the Muslims like that? Demonstration, there's going to be women there, men there, all next to each other, walking around. The time for Dhuhr Asar comes, there is no masjid anywhere. Hundreds of people, thousands of people, miss the prayers, everything in the demonstration. How is that going to bring you victory? That's why the scholars, they say, when you look at the situation of the Muslims across the world, don't look at it in this political way like the Ikhwan al-Muslimin. Ikhwan al-Muslimin, these people, politics, everything. Demonstrate, boycott. This is how we're going to get victory for the Muslims. That's wrong. You're going to get victory for the Muslims when you return to your religion and you stick to it. Just like the Sahaba did. When you start praying five times a day, all of that hundred thousand people who went to do demonstration for Palestine, how many of them do you think pray five times a day? Those people who don't pray five times a day, it would be better for them to stay at home and start practicing their religion first before going around screaming and shouting for demonstrations and boycotts. So you have to realize, people, their mentalities are twisted. They think you're going to get victory if you don't go get your shopping from Tesco. Victory will come when you start practicing the religion properly. When the Muslims across the world, they go back to the correct aqidah, they go back to the correct tawheed. You will not get victory because you go to the corner shop instead of Tesco. That's not going to bring you victory if you're still not praying five times a day. You still don't care about the aqidah, the tawheed, you know nothing. You're boycotting Tesco and at the same time, you're boycotting the sunnah as well. That's what most of them are like. So how are you going to get victory like that? So you should know the Salafi scholars, the ones who give the advice upon sincerity, they are the ones, the Salafi scholars. The Salafi scholars are the ones who advise in the proper manner. And they've advised that this type of nonsense of boycotting and demonstrating and all these things, that's not going to bring you victory. Victory will be when you return to your religion. That's why Allah said in the Quran, ظَهَرَ الْفَسَادُ فِي الْبَرِّ وَالْبَحَرِ بِمَا كَسَبَتْ أَيْدِ النَّاسِ The corruption has occurred on the land and on the sea. Corruption has occurred. Why? Because of what the hands of the people have earned for themselves. 
the Muslims have abandoned their religion. They don't pray in five times a day. They don't have the correct aqidah. They go to graves and do tawaf around it. They don't practice any of the sunnah. They do all types of haram things. They have shops selling alcohol, selling cigarettes, everybody smoking cigarettes. All these types of sins. Sins and wrongdoing and bid'ah, innovations. All types of things they do and then they say, but go and demonstrate that will bring victory. Carry on doing all your innovation, your bid'ah, your, your sinning, your abandoning of the sunnah. Carry on all that as normal, but just don't go to Tesco, that will bring victory. That is a nonsense. You should realize now, this is the way of the ikhwan al-muflisin. They are the people who bring these wrong ideas to you. So don't follow this type of nonsense from the people about messages and boycotting and demonstrations. That isn't the way of the salaf. That is the way of the ikhwan al-muslimin, and they are the same types of people who then lead on from one to the next, until you start hearing fatawa from them, absolute nonsense, which is in defense of the khawarij. They start to defend people like ISIS. They start to defend people like Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi. These people, they are fakes. ISIS and Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi and all these people, they are fakes. Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi, the scholars, they said about him, Dajjal, he's a liar, he's a, an, a, an excessive liar. Kadhab, Dajjal, he's not a Khalifa. There is no Khilafa. These people are Khawarij. They kill the Muslims. They spill the blood of the Muslims. Don't think that ISIS, MashaAllah, they're fighting for Islam and they're fighting against the Shia and they're fighting against the Kuffar. They fight against the Sunnis themselves as well. And they kill them. They say, you, you're not with us. You're Murtad. Khalas, kill him straight away as well. These people are Khawarij. They go out against the Muslims. They perform all types of haram acts. These people are not Khilafa. There is no Khilafa. That's why the scholars have said, do not go anywhere to support them. ISIS and Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi and these people, do not support them at all. Nobody go there. Nobody support them. If you're going to give any money to help the people in those areas, only give it to uh, registered official charities. Don't give it to people here that are collecting, we're going to give money to Syria, we're going to give money to Palestine. Don't just give it to people anywhere. Who knows where that money is going to go? Maybe they're going to send it to ISIS and Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi. Only give your money to registered official charities who you know are recognized, official, and the money will go to the needy and the poor and the ones who are destitute, the ones who are refugees, etc. So you have to be careful with these situations across the world. Don't allow these people on the streets running around to twist your minds and to take you to misguidance. Those people are upon misguidance and what is occurring there, the Salafi scholars have advised to stay well away from it. Do not get yourself involved with ISIS and these people. Do not get yourself involved in that fighting that they are involved in. It is all falsehood. It is all wrong. ISIS is wrong. Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi is wrong. The Shia are wrong. Of course, all of them. We don't support any of them. We don't defend any of them at all. We are against them. We are against ISIS and Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi and these people. They are khawarij, takfiris. So don't let your emotions overcome you. So here now, the point we were making at the beginning was, that Ibrahim alayhi salam, he asks Allah to keep him firm upon the religion, to keep him established upon the religion, even though Ibrahim alayhi salam had such a high rank and status. He had such a high rank and status, yet he is asking Allah to keep him safe and secure upon the religion. And so the Shaykh says, this is a refutation of those people who say that shirk won't happen now as long as you are educated and you know 
then this shirk cannot occur to you. That is incorrect. This is a false understanding that they are upon. After that, we have the hadith of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, The Prophet said that the most thing I fear for you is the minor shirk. Shirk is major shirk and minor shirk. So they said to the Prophet Sallallahu they asked him, he was asked, what is that? He said, showing off. Showing off is a type of shirk. Showing off when you do your worship to illustrate that or to demonstrate that in front of the people, then it is a type of shirk. Because as we know, every act of worship that you do, then it must be based upon the two pillars of sincerity to Allah, al-ikhlas, wal-mutaba'ah, following the sunnah of the Prophet wasallam. The person who does not do it sincerely for the sake of Allah, he has no ikhlas, he's doing it for the sake of the people to show off, then that is a type of uh, shirk. That is a type of shirk. It is as if you are now making your worship for these other people just so that they see you and they praise you and they recommend you and they speak good about you. So that is considered as a type of shirk. And so the Prophet ﷺ said, the greatest thing I fear upon you is this minor shirk. When he was asked what that is, he said the showing off. So the showing off is a type of activity that you should be warned against. And it can also occur even in secret. Most people would think that showing off is when you are in front of other people and you're showing them your worship so they praise you. But sometimes maybe you might do some worship secretly, privately. Nobody sees you, but then afterwards you can still show off. How? By telling people, MashaAllah, I did this much prayer last night, I was praying all night, two hours, tahajjud all night, and you tell everybody about it. So you're still showing off. So that type of thing is not permissible. And if somebody did their worship purely showing off, it would be rejected. That worship is rejected, then it's not counting if he's doing it for the sake of showing off for the other people. So that's where we'll conclude upon that point today. And we'll carry on from this chapter regarding uh, fearing shirk and making sure that you're always making dua to Allah to keep you established. Inshallah ta'ala, we'll carry on from that next week at the same time at 7.30 p.m. Wa sallallahu ala nabiyyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'een.